You can be seated. The scripture this evening is one that's very familiar to you if you've ever watched Charlie Brown's Christmas story. It's the story of Jesus' birth as told by the, uh, the Apostle Luke. Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax list. This first enrollment occurred when Quirinius governed Syria. Everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. And since Joseph belonged to David's house and family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth to Galilee, to David's city. The city was called Bethlehem in Judea. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage, and who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby. She gave birth to her firstborn child, a son, and wrapped him snugly and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for him in the guest room. Nearby, shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angels stood before them, and the Lord's glory shone around them. They were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. Look, I bring to you wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel praising God, and they said, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favored. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw this, they reported what they had been told about this child and everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary committed these things to memory and considered them carefully. The shepherds, the shepherds returned home, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything happened just as they had been told. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. May God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation. May God give us wisdom and courage as we try to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. Amen. It's such a familiar story on such a familiar night in such a familiar kind of setting. Everybody wants to sing the songs and hear the story and light the candles. And we can cut to the chase and get to the heart of the story, which is this, that God came from heaven to take on human form to show us just how much God loves us. God came from heaven to take on human form and to show us just how much God loves us. Damn, you can all go home. <laughs> That's it. It's pretty simple. But there's really more to it than that, right? There's all these layers and all this depth and all this truth, and we don't have time to mine it all tonight. But I do want to spend a little time with you, maybe helping you think about it and from different angles. So 
But what I really hope that you walk away from tonight remembering is that God loves you. When I was 17 years old, I told this story a whole bunch of times, but I was kind of a knucklehead of a kid. And I was sitting in church with my mom and dad, and all of a sudden, about the time I turned 15, we started going to church a whole lot more often. I think they were hoping something would take. And it did, apparently. So we were sitting in church, and the pastor said that he was going to teach a course on United Methodism and the beliefs of the United Methodist Church. Well, I've always been one of those kinds of people who I want to be correct. I, I, want, to, I want to have the right understanding of things. And, and from the house that I grew up in, we could walk to the church that I went to, and we would walk past the Church of Christ Church. And then our church was next, and then right across the street from our church was a Baptist church, and so I kind of got the gamut of what churches could possibly be in the small town I lived in, and I felt like if, if one church was right, then the others had to be wrong. I didn't really understand that there's this big picture correctness of God loves you. So when my pastor said he was going to teach this class, I leaned over to my dad, and I said, hey, I'd like to go to that, and he said, we're signing up. I mean, I felt like he basically jumped up and went and signed us up right then and there, because I was volunteering to want to do something in and about two or three weeks into it, the pastor was teaching about John Wesley, the theologian who kind of Methodist-based their theology around, was teaching about John Wesley's understanding of grace. And this is what he said. I'll never forget it. And I hope everybody who ever hears me preach hears me say something like this every time. He looked at me and he said, Ross, it's not just that God loves you, but God likes you. And you can never do anything to cause God to love you more. And you can never do anything to cause God to love you less. God loves you and likes you, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's what we celebrate tonight. That's what we celebrate every day of our lives. That's what we celebrate every time we walk through the doors of a church is that our Creator decided that we had had enough of harming one another, and we had had enough of being confused about who we are and who we belong to and the direction life should go, and God had sent prophets, and God had done all sorts of things to try to get our attention and get us on the right path, the path that the prophet Isaiah was telling about, and, and we wouldn't listen, and so God, God's self, came to earth in the form of a child, not just so that we could be loved, but so that we can see how to love one another. And in the process, we learn that God loves us so much that God would be willing to die for us. But even more than that, that the power of God overcomes even death. God decided to get personally and intimately involved with us. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Christmas not because God came to get personally and intimately involved with us to punish us or to frighten us or to scold us or to threaten us or any of the other things that churches sometimes try to make us feel. God came to tell us and show us that we are loved deeply and truly forever. But just make sure that we really understood that all of us, even you, 
welcomed into this kingdom of God, God allowed it to be that the first people who would hear about the birth of the child other than his teenage mother were no account low-life shepherds who were living out in the middle of nowhere, guarding their sheep, dirty, ragged, poor, outcasts. They were the first ones to hear it. And they were the first evangelists because they went to see the truth of it, and once they saw it, they had to go tell other people because their hearts were so moved by God's love and by God's grace that they could not keep their mouths shut, just like a lot of you that I know. <laughs> Another gospel writer tells us the story of some astrologers. We call them wise men. They practiced an entirely different religion. They weren't Jewish, and they darn sure weren't Christian because that wasn't even a thing yet. But somehow God communicated with them that something had happened. And they came and fell at their knees and worshipped the baby Jesus. God did that. And we have that story to let us know that no matter who we have been, no matter where we have been, no matter who we are, no matter where we think we're going, we are included in the love of God. And that's the story for tonight. God wants us to know that no one is left out of this message or this story. All of us. Every single one of us in this room. Whether the world tells us we're lovable or not, you're included. And that's the way it is. In the name of the Father, 